Hey, everybody. Big Ron here. Obviously, Dusty's not here with me today. He's still in the hospital. He's been in the hospital for three weeks, and he's going to be in there for several more weeks, it looks like. So he's got a long road to recovery, but he's a tough guy, and he's been fighting hard, and uh, things are coming around. It's unbelievable the amount of support that he's gotten, that we've all gotten for him through you, all the messages that his friends are getting. And uh, obviously, um, everyone that's given to the GoFundMe, you know, we'll put the link up here, um, has been amazing because, you know, when you live in the States, hospital bills, long-term stay hospital bills can get pretty ridiculous. Uh, so we just want to help Dusty come out of this because it's going to be quite a shock when, you know, when he realizes kind of what's happened. Um, so, you know, we don't want to dwell on on the negative. We want to just try to keep it lighthearted. And and I thought that keeping the show going would be the right thing to do because uh, Dusty doesn't like to stop doing stuff. He likes to, you know, keep going. So uh, I thought I'd have some fun today. I've been wanting to have Paul Lozon on the show for a long time. I know that you guys love Paul from Bodybuilding and Bollocks and Bro Chat. And I've known Paul for a long time as well. And I thought that we'd, we'd probably have a good laugh. So um, it was great to have him on. Um, you know, we go back a long ways, like I said, and, uh, there was a lot of things I wanted to cover with Paul because he's done it all. You know, he's, he's competed at the national level, uh, and obviously training and traveling with Fuad all those years. And, uh, now he's a pro judge. So, you know, he really has seen bodybuilding, um, from the inside, uh, at all levels. And, uh, Paul has a lot to say and a lot of knowledge. Uh, he's been in bodybuilding even longer than I have. So, um, you know, he's one of the guys that really knows what's up. So I, I had a lot of fun talking to Paul and, and like I said, uh, there's definitely going to be a second visit from him. So, uh, you know, just keeping it positive and having fun and, uh, you know, Scott going to be producing the show and I'm going to be doing my best to keep things rolling for it's just bodybuilding. So in light of that, hope you enjoy the first episode back, uh, while Dusty's away recovering, Paul Lozon. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. Obviously, with Dusty out of commission right now, laying up and recovering from what he's been through, I'm left alone on the show. And I figured, you know what? I've always wanted to have Paul Lozon come and join me on It's Just Bodybuilding because I know he's going to have some stories. So, Paul, I brought you in to help me out this week so we can get an episode and keep the show going. And, uh, you know, Dusty and I were talking about having you on. So, uh, it's, I figured it was a good time. I know you pretty well for years and years, you know, yeah. Yeah, how you been? I'm doing good. Everything's going good. You know, I, um, I miss, you know, traveling, doing shows, you know, judging shows and stuff and seeing guys like you, you know, but, uh, hopefully we'll get back to that soon enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how's the weather out there where you are? <laughs> That's the first question I get asked these days. Uh, it's nice today. It's, uh, it's a little chilly still, you know, not quite pool weather, but, uh, we got some thirties last week. So you're in Windsor, right? Yeah, yeah. So Windsor, you're yeah. you're just across the bridge from Scott McNally, our producer, because they're in Detroit. Okay. Yeah, right. Are they right in Detroit or are they in the outskirts? I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. You know, it's one of those, one of the burbs. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah I, lo- I love, I love it over there. I love Detroit. Yeah. So I wanted to. I you're 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 an interesting guy because you have a <laughs> lot of different things that you've done and seen in the industry and outside of the industry. Yeah. And uh, one thing I thought I'd start off with is you work for Border Security, Canadian Border yes. Security. So how years. long have you been? How long? 20 years, eh? Yeah, it was my 20th year, yeah. Yeah, so 
you don't just work for the border. You work for the border in the Windsor, Detroit area. Yeah, which I work is at the Ambassador Bridge. That's a massive crossing, isn't it? Like one of the biggest in the world for traffic, right? It's the busiest uh, commercial crossing in North America. Um, it may be world. I'm not 100% sure about that. But commercial traffic, it's uh, by far the busiest in North America. We get it like, I think it's like 10,000 trucks a day back and forth. Right, right. So what, what do you, I mean, you've been there 20 years, so you must have done a lot of different things there. Mm -hmm. But what do you normally do now? Now I'm commercial. I'm a commercial officer. I work on the front lines, though. So uh, like tomorrow morning, I'm in tomorrow morning at 7, which I struggle with in those day shifts. But um, I, uh, yeah, I'm right up there on the line. You know, I'm up there in the booth, you know, clearing trucks paperwork. And then I'm in the back searching trucks. Um, sometimes I'm at the warehouse where we search the um, the trailers, the uh, what we call offloads or whatever, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, but, I, but I'm, I'm primarily commercial, though. I don't deal with car traffic so much. Um, so I don't deal with all the P hack stuff going on right now so much. Right. You're not, you're not shaking down, uh, uh dreadlocked, uh, backpackers at the foot crossing, <laughs> eh? No, I'm not. No, we don't have a foot crossing at the bridge. Oh, uh, okay. So, there is yeah. a one. I know. Out in BC, you guys have things like that. Let's see what's yeah. in your sandals. <laughs> out in BC, you guys have that, eh? Like the pedestrian right. crossings? Yeah, there's pedestrian crossings here. So, yeah, that's why I just assumed. Um, so what, you know, people think, you know, obviously as us bodybuilders, we have this certain experience with border crossing guards, you know? Yeah, yeah right. That's a certain way. I mean, when he, I mean, you traveled with Fuad. You've been big your whole life. Like, yeah. you know, whenever you go across the border at 300 plus pounds, you know that, uh, they're looking at you and they're sussing out whether you have just Tupperware dishes or maybe a little more. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so what's, what's your experience been like as a bodybuilder in that system? What, um, what do you have? I think we, we, we think they, they care too much. They're not really that interested in us or, or what's the take? Um, you know, I mean like my own experiences I can speak of, you know, um, I've actually uh, an interesting experience. I could tell you when I was not when I was off duty once. Um, you know how Fuad and I promote shows together. Yeah. Um, so our Windsor show one year, we brought in Jason Ha and Seth Ferrosi, and um, I forget what year that was, maybe 2015 or so. Uh, anyway, so I had to bring those guys back to the airport the following Sunday morning, and at the time I was driving a Honda Civic. So I got Jason next to me, and at the time Jason was like probably 320 pounds. He was the biggest dude I'd ever seen him up, you know, in person at that point in my yeah. at the time. And Seth in the backseat, who was like, you know, 240, 250, you know, shredded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, Sunday, you know, I'm driving across on the U.S. border. He's just like, where are you guys going? And I was like, oh, I'm bringing these guys to the airport. You know, they got a flight. They just guest posed at uh, my show in Windsor. And he's like, huh, he's like, what do you guys do? And I was like, these guys are pro bodybuilders, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, what are you guys bringing in? They're like, food. <laughs> They're like, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, you guys, <laughs> and that was it, man. Like, yeah. but like, I thought for sure we're getting pulled in. Like, there's like, even the weight limit of the car was probably well over at that point, you know? I right, thought right. Uh, for sure we're getting pulled in, but they let us skate by. But crossing the border, I used to go with Fuad a lot to his shows in the States. Yeah. Um, when he was, you know, actively competing still. And, um, you know, we, we, we always got treated great. I never had a bad experience, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially in the States. American guys seem to have a little bit more acceptance for bigger guys, you know. And uh, yeah, I've always had good experiences. I've never had a bad experience. I, I, I always felt the same way. I felt like when I was going to the States, I, you know, more often than not would get a border guard saying like, how much you bench? Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. But yeah. um, all the times I ever got like, you know, pulled aside and asked to empty my bags and, 
and also I'm a pretty reasonable guy. So I know that there mm-hmm. is certain amount of like, you know, it's not just cause I'm big, you know, right. like maybe they saw something on the x-ray and they just, they need to look like, right. you know, or whatever. Um, and I know certain food isn't allowed. So maybe they think I got, you know, this or that. So, but mm-hmm. there, there have been a few times where I thought, you know, I just kind of got pulled cause of being a bodybuilder and that was always just coming home. Yeah. Oh yeah. From <laughs> Canadian uh, customs. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So I never had a problem going to the States. I think big guys stand out more in Canada than in the U S yeah, maybe know. there's yeah. not as much, like not as much other news either. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What, for sure. What, what's, what's the craziest bust you've ever had? Like you ever have a guy with like, you know, 10 kilos of heroin, just try and stroll through your fucking booth and you cap. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't go into great detail about things right, that work right. about like particular cases, but I've been right. involved with large uh, scale. What we've what we've mostly see here in Windsor is um, cocaine coming in. Um, right, right. That, that's the probably the most common bit large scale, you know, high value, um, um, you know, contraband that we see here in Windsor that gets intercepted. And so you've had some. Have you had like some crazy surprises? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Those, I mean, not so much like lately, like, you know, when you're early parts of your career, you kind of get involved with these teams where, you know, the enforcement teams and that, where you're doing a lot of the digging. Now I'm more like a primary officer where I, you know, where we, we kind of send stuff to those teams, you know, um, right. later in the chain. Um, so I don't get my hands dirty so much, I guess you could say anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you still, but I'm still there. I'm still present when it happens and it does happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. What what would you what, do you remember? Uh, you, you remember like um, any any trips where you where where you came in handy that you worked for Border? Um, like just because I knew like what to expect and things like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe or, you knew yeah. how to handle it or speed it up a little bit. Yeah, so you maybe well, didn't miss your connection, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, like even like you know, like traveling with Fuad back in the day, you know, back when we would cross the border a lot for his shows and guest appearances, and uh, you know, there would be scrutinized, you know, at times, and uh, I'd always just tell him, oh, you know, listen, you know, we just cooperate. We're out of here in five minutes, you know, just let them do what they got to do. We're we're not doing anything illegal. We know that, you know, so let's just cooperate, do what they got to do. Don't give them a hard right. time. We'll be out here in five minutes, you know. Here, here. And that's you know that's always been the case so aside from being uh his uh sort of um free legal advice at the border um <laughs> what all those years you trained with fuad you know i gotta bring those up and not i don't want fuad's head to get too big either that we're talking about <laughs> that, you know, yeah i don't want that to happen. the pleasures of training with him but <laughs> you 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 got to do something that like you know hundreds of thousands or millions of bodybuilders always dreamed of doing and that's you know, be on the inner circle at the pro level, at the highest level, all the way to the yeah. Olympia. And so, you know, your experience is traveling and, and training with Fuad. Um, you know, you have a lot of insight that a lot of people just, they wouldn't never, ever get to have. For sure. And what do you think, you know, looking back on it all, what do you think you brought to Fuad's team the most looking back on it, what do you think your role, you know, I know training partner, but really what was it? Well, I mean, Fuad and I are also best friends, not just training partners. So, yeah. uh, like he's always been my go-to, you know, when I need something or, you know, if I need to talk about something and he's, and I, you know, and the same with me. Um, so yeah, I mean like back in those days, you know, um, Fuad would get, before a competition, he would get wound up, you know, like a lot of guys do, you know, you're worried about the way you look, things like that. And, you know, I'd always try to just be there for him as, you know, just an ear basically, you know, cause I, he knows like, he knows, he knows 
that he's just overreacting to the situation. But it's hard for him to, you know, realize that in the moment. So, you know, and all he wants to do is really vent. And that's all anybody really wants to do in those situations is vent. So, you know, he just tried to be a good listener, you know, try to be like the voice of reason, like, you know, try to calm someone down. And, you know, I think that was an important role that I played at times. Um, and that and, you know, I think consistency, you know, like in the gym and that, because, like, you know, Ron, like you've been around, you know, as long as I have, you know, maybe not quite as long, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not as, as old as I am, but, uh, but you know what it is like guys will fall off, you know, Every, anyone could train hard for six weeks, six months, yeah, even, absolutely. even maybe six years, but not too many guys are around 10 plus years banging every day still. Yeah. Yeah. Very rare. Like you sort of, um, you know, I know there's probably a lot of unsung heroes and guys that just didn't get mentioned for one reason or another, but mm -hmm. you, you sort of got mentioned all like, you know, F Fuad also made sure that people knew that, you know, yeah, for sure. Paul, he did. Paul, Paul was his number one guy. And, yeah. and, um, you know, just like how Dorian had Leroy and a handful of guys around him and, yeah. you know, um, a lot of champions had like that kind of one training partner, you know, Johnny yeah. and Branch, obviously yeah. an exception, you know, um, yeah, Arnold and Franco, you know, like, yeah. and, 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 uh, you know, and I've always been fascinated with training partners as well, because I've only had a, a handful of actual real long-term training partners in 30 years of training. And, um, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's way harder to find than I think people realize when you're trying to be a pro bodybuilder. For sure. There has to be a little bit of compromise on both of your parts schedule wise. You know, you're not always going to want to train at the same time. You try to work that stuff out, you know, amongst each other. And, uh, you know, like I like me and Fu, it's been so many years now. Like we've got a really good thing going where, especially right now, we're kind of training a little bit out of town right now. So it's about a 25 minute drive to get to the gym. So, you know, we talk the whole time. Once we get there, put the earphones on. You don't talk anymore. It's not like a rule, so to speak. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And then on the way home, you talk about the workout or whatever, you know. And yeah. uh, real estate market, cool. you know. <laughs> yeah, weather, <laughs> <laughs> politics. <laughs> um, the, yeah, for sure, for sure. I got a lot of uh, good questions. Um, people really got a kick out of the fact that I was having you on. Really? Um, so there was no shortage. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to get to uh, a few of the ones from uh, from people that you know first. Okay. I can't wait for these. So, so uh, I, I'm, I, I got to ask you about, about fatherhood first. Sure. What do you think, this might be a weird question, but I'm trying to spin bodybuilding in a positive way. Okay. What do you think you, you can take from bodybuilding? that you can teach to your kids? Oh, a lot. Discipline, nutrition, um, the importance of hard work and um, um, perseverance. Because, you know, bodybuilding is a, a journey. It's not, you know, a short-term thing. It's going to take you years to get where you want to be if your goals are big. Um, so I think those, like, hard work, discipline, nutrition, I think not a lot of kids learn that, you know. I mean, you right. know as well as you know, like the average adult doesn't really know much about nutrition, you know, unless they've done a little bit of research, you know, and which I think as bodybuilders, that surprises us a lot, a lot of times because we take it for granted. Um, so those are three big, big things for sure, you know. Uh, plus, I mean, we're body, we're, as bodybuilders, I'm sure you're the same way, Ron. Like, I'm a homebody, you know. Like, if it's not going to the gym or work, I don't really go anywhere else, you know. So I'm home all the time with my kids, you know, and uh, that's important, I think. You know, I think it's important for your kids to be with you a lot. I don't want my kids going to daycares and things like that and babysitters, you know. My yeah. wife and I spend a lot of time with our girls. How, how old are your kids? Six and ten. Two girls. Six and ten. Mm -hmm. So uh, Ian asked a question. He wants to know, which one of your kids is your favorite? 
<laughs> I don't have a favorite, but uh, my youngest one's more like me. That's for sure. She's she's oh, okay. She's, she's in, okay. She took after me completely. She'll be at quarterback or something. Uh, well, no, she's she's like she's kind of built like me a little bit. Like she's kind of short. She's got big feet like me, which is kind of weird. Um, she's got big calves, which well, one of the only body parts I ever had any decent genetics for, even though they're gone now. Um, right, right, right. You know, uh, so yeah, you can tell she's definitely got. A, she physically took after me a lot, and the way she behaves. What What do you think? You know, in a in a, do you ever do anything that's just so dad that you laugh at yourself? Yeah, I fucking worry about them like crazy, man. I uh, when they're at a park or something like that, they go up like when they're jumping around on these like you know these monkey bar things they have at these parks. I'm always like, get down there, stop doing that, you're gonna hurt yourself, you know. I'm like way overboard on that, and I was really bad. My first daughter for the first couple of years of her life, I was like that helicopter parent, you know, that was like right. over her hovering, didn't want her to get like hurt in any way, you know. And uh, I learned though because I made mistakes. I learned that I saw she was trying, she was starting to get too soft. So I learned from that and I tried to reverse it now. And I'm with my youngest one. I didn't make those same mistakes. And I can see a big difference in her where she's, she's just tougher, you know? Right. You got to let them like fall and skin their knee a little bit. Is that what you're you saying? You do. You yeah. do. Yeah. And that yeah. took me a long time to get good with, I guess. I'm still not good with it, but I just learned to react to it better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What, um, what, what is, is there anything when you mentioned the list of the bodybuilding positives do you think there's anything that you're already got into them? Uh, nutrition. My oldest daughter, she's yeah. better than I do. I swear to God, this kid eats nothing but like chicken and vegetables. And, you know, she, uh, she, uh, yeah, she loves healthy food. She loves like protein and like vegetables. And, you know, right. she likes plain food. Um, so she's definitely taking that out to me. As far as like, them getting involved with like sports or training or anything like that yet. Haven't got there yet with them, I, you know. And COVID didn't really help things the last couple of years with organized sports, pretty much, you know. Oh yeah, being counted. But I'm trying to get them into like maybe a, like maybe taking an MMA class or something like that with me. Um, something even food I've been talking about for a while too. Him and I want to take one. I thought if I can find a place that has like a kids class with it, you know, like off to the side where adults go in one room and the kids, yeah, them, you know, I want to try and do something like that with them in the future. Would you do like a like like a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu maybe or yeah or yeah, yeah something like that yeah something like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or like some type of MMA at least some some type of self-defense yeah I I've always had I always used to tell myself that when I got out of bodybuilding I would slowly you know pick away at Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah and then over the last 10 years of my training like you know like when I was still competing I saw all these other bodybuilders go to MMA class and tear their biceps. Yo, that's a common injury, yeah. And and I just saw so many guys tearing their biceps at jiu-jitsu. I was like, fuck, I don't know if I want to go. Because like everyone, it seems like like so many I can't even count. Yeah, birds, eh? yeah and, and I asked uh, my one buddy who it happened to, I said, why do you think all the bodybuilders tear their biceps? And he goes, oh, it's because we're 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 so strong that when someone gets us in an arm bar what happens every single time is the guy just you just think i can just stand up and slam this guy right and you just stand up and slam him but the the physics on that jolt are like you know 300 pound barbell curl right and we're not used to jolting with weights like we don't train our body like that at all our nervous system doesn't do that yeah Right. Yeah. And, right. and you hit the end of that and all that transfer and all that speed and it doesn't feel heavy to you. You pick the guy up and bomb him with one arm 
and then your bicep snaps on the other end of it. That's happened to a bunch of guys I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that. I um, A long time ago, like when I was like in my early 20s, me and I used to bounce downtown a lot uh, at a lot of the bars. And a lot of the guys that I used to work with, we um, – we got to, we sort of like formed this like unorganized MMA class. It was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, basically. We had a couple of guys we worked with were black belts, and we just kind of like rented a dojo on a Sunday afternoon for like for a few months. And this, the, the black belts guys would just kind of show us stuff, and we just have like an informal class like that. So there was a guy locally who was a UFC fighter at the time, and he gets wind of this class that we're doing. So he calls me up one day, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you guys got this thing going on." He's like, "I'm looking for got some for some bigger muscular guys to spar with because I got a fight coming up." I want to come and spar with you. And I'm like, fuck, this guy's going to tear me in half, man. Like, I'm not good. You know, like I've been doing these for like maybe four weeks, six weeks. I got no skills. This guy's going to rip me in half. So I call up one of my buddies and I'm like, and he knows that he knows him better than me. And I'm like, listen, he just invited me to, uh, he wants to come down and spar with me. He's like, oh, don't fucking go, man. He's going to kill you. He's like, uh, he's ruthless. He'll fucking kill you. So I was like, okay. So the day came along and I, you know, I played sick, whatever. I didn't go. So one of my friends went though. He had the balls to still go. He ends up tearing his bicep. <laughs> he, oh, like, he, no. he, he sparred instead. And he tore his bicep. And man, afterwards, I was like, fuck, thank God I didn't go to that. Because you for sure would have tore my bicep. <laughs> yeah. <probably> more things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, your worst injury was a pec tear, right? Yeah. I've got a bad pec tear. And I couldn't get it fixed because it tore in the fibers. It didn't tear at the attachment. So, oh, yeah, I got okay. a big gap in my chest from like, my armpit to like middle of my chest, basically. I know off. that's a pretty famous story. Yeah. 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 I was, I jokingly blame it on Fouad, but it wasn't really his fault. Um, <laughs> I was late for the gym one day and I just didn't bother to take the time to warm up properly because I was late and he was yeah. already like a couple sets deep. So I just jumped on the bar, you know, with a heavier weight than I should have to warm up with and three sets in popped. Fuck. Same story, eh? Yeah. Bench press. So when did, when was your first show? My first show was 1992. I was uh, 19 years old. Man. And so I remember you talking on your guys' show that mm-hmm. you had you had competed against Kovacs before he was Kovacs. Pro. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like at the Ontario's one year you ran into Kovacs or what? Western Ontario's so, uh, 1994. Uh, but about the same weight class, obviously. Greg was, you know, back then. I don't think we didn't have super heavies back then. He was no. a no. But uh, I was like a middleweight. I think I weighed 176 or whatever. So he had like 100 pounds on me. Uh, so, yeah, what happened was I competed I, in 92. I did a show as a junior. Uh, Stratford's um, won my class. Um, the next year I went in as an open uh, when I was 20 and I won the overall. And uh, like Robert Kennedy wrote me a letter, like a handwritten letter saying, right. like, hey, man, you know, you got some potential. I'm going to watch out for you. You know, send me some pictures and I'll put you in my magazine. So my head, you know, I'm thinking that I'm fucking something sweet now. I'm thinking that I'm going to make a living off this sport, you know. So right. uh, so that was 93, 94. I go to do the Western Ontarios because I back then we had four, uh, five levels in Canada back then. Yeah. Um so I went on to my level two show and Greg Kovacs is at the way in him and Freddie, you know who Freddie and Tiwi is? Yeah. Freaky Freddie. Freddie. Yeah. Freaky Freddie was in the show too. So I'm backstage weighing in and I see those two and I'm like, like this, I'm not the right sport, man. What am I doing here? Like this is stupid. <laughs> so I was so blown out head wise, you know, I didn't even come back for the finals and uh, I quit the sport for 10 years. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, I don't have it. You know, I don't have it. I don't have, this but, you, so, but you kept training. I kept training, and but I knew I had to find a career now, you know, because like 
I wasn't really in the school so much. I wasn't a university guy. You know, I went to college for a little bit, but that was it. And I kind of wanted to be a police officer or something similar to that. So I knew I, I had to start, I had to find myself a job, you know? So yeah. uh, I was still bouncing in bars, you know, working some jobs here and there that weren't really working out for me. And then I finally got a break and got a decent job. And that led to, you know, a better job down the road. So when did you start <laughs> training with FUAD? I started training with FUAD in 2006. Um, so what happened was I took a 10 year break from the sport, like I said. Um, and then in 2004, I just got the itch again. I, I had also become a judge though. I, I skipped over that part. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, going to get to judging. Yeah. Yeah. I became a judge around 2000. Uh, remember Nimrod King? Yep. Yeah. Nim was a friend of mine. Nim lived in Windsor for a few years and we became good friends. And uh, Nim was Western Regional Director at the time for Ontario for the OPA. And uh, Nim asked me if I wanted to start judging shows. He needed some more judges. So I, uh, so yeah, so I did. And I judged a lot of shows with Nim and my friend Darren Fink. And uh, back, and, you know, Rudy Jambrosic was judging back in those days already and Ron Hache. Yeah. And um, so that, I, you know, I started getting back involved in the sport, started getting, you know, want to you know, wanted to compete again. So in 2004, I decided I want to get back on stage again. And um, I knew Fuad a little bit, but not too well. Uh, in fact, I had judged him in his first show a couple a year or so prior to that. Um, but I, so I knew him a little bit. I, and he was, you know, he was probably the most, uh, he was the, the guy locally who was, you know, uh, the most successful as an amateur bodybuilder, I guess you could. So I asked him to help me out because I, you know, I, I was kind of away from the, from the game for a while. I didn't really know what to do diet-wise, you know, supplement-wise and that to get back in shape again, what guys were doing now. So I asked who had to help me out, and then we just became friends and training partners after that. And then, yeah, now he's, right. like, now he's godfather of my kids, you know. He's uh, he's my neighbor, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you remember, you know, because I, I did 24 shows. You did 24 shows? Yeah, I did 24 shows. You did nationals so what? Nine times? 13 times. 13 times you did nationals? Yeah. Holy cow, I did not realize it was that many times. And I got second eight times. I remember you got second a, a bunch of times. Yeah, and then first twice. Once was in the Supers and once was in the Masters. <laughs> That's yeah. when you got your pro card. Yeah, so so I remember being at that show a lot. And I remember you judging. Yeah. But I don't remember what years you would have judged me. Uh, yeah, I didn't become national until... Um, Shit, what year would that have been? It was late because under the old CBBF regime, uh, we were only allowed like two national judges in Ontario or something like that. And Ron and Rudy, you know, were and Winston Roberts at the time. Uh, right. So those guys, had, you know, they were entrenched for a long time and there was no, you know, there's no room for anybody else, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't until um, we switched over to, I, well, I did finally get my national qualification before the the split happened yeah, what um, year would that have been i'm not sure if you even judged me when i was at nationals i don't think i, I didn't Ron, but I, I judged the nationals the year you emceed it in edmonton oh okay so we just missed each other then yeah and i judged uh i think another show i judged a couple other shows that you were at though national qualifiers uh in toronto um i think the ben weeder one year they held it in toronto was a pro qualifier um when um uh who's the guy that won that show uh, uh he just competed us I yeah, can't remember right now. It's but. funny because I've, it, you know, those shows all like just mush together. Oh, man. And, the last. And, and then seeing you in the judging coat just mushes together with all the other judges. Like, right. It's so crazy. That, yeah. Because I thought maybe you judged me like once or twice at the tail end, but I guess not, eh? I competed with you one year. I mean, you were heavyweight. I was, uh, you were supers. I was heavyweight. Yeah. The year Ben Pakulski won, you were second. Um, I competed with you that year. 
Oh wait, yes, yeah, that was the only year I did nationals. Okay. Um, yeah, I finished ninth in heavyweights. Uh, yeah, you finished second to Ben. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, but I never judged you at a national show though. Yeah, no, man, it's uh, it's crazy. What what do you think? You know, when I think about all the shows I did and all the preps, there's always the easy preps, mm-hmm. and then there's the hard preps. Yeah. What when you look back at all the pro shows you did with Fuad, in your mind, is there anyone that stands out as like an easy prep that you guys just fucking smashed and you just like you talk about how it just went perfectly and like the workouts were ridiculous and everything was perfect or the opposite where, you know, you, you, you thought maybe he wasn't going to make it and you were doing everything you could. Like, does anything like that stand out to you? Yeah. Well, his last, uh, although he was in Toronto at the time, but you know, we still would talk daily, whatever. Um, when he did the Arnold's, um, that would have been 2016. I want to say when he had injured his quad that year, or that was his hamstring. I can't remember. It was either his quad or his hamstring. He had injured. He couldn't train legs for the last, like, I think it was like six weeks of the show or something like that. He couldn't train legs. So that, you know, but it was the Arnold. So he committed to it. He had to see it through. And he still did pretty good. He still ended up, I think that year he was sixth or seventh, right. uh, which, you know, for the Arnold is awesome. But yeah, he just, you know, it played on him, you know, that he just didn't look, the way, he couldn't train the way he wanted to for that show. So he knew it wasn't going to look the way he wanted to. So yeah, that was definitely. But his best shows, he always jokes that they were that they were, his best shows were when he was in Toronto and I wasn't training with him. But it's actually true. His best two looks, his first, his two wins happened when he was living in Toronto and I wasn't training with him. So uh, those are probably his best years. Pure fluke. That's uh, so why I said, "Well, I built you up all to, to that point. All he had to do was well, just yeah, tie yeah. it down now." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. I said, oh, or there were weak shows, one or the other. Right, right, exactly. You got <laughs> there were good shows. Weeks, I, yeah, I, just yeah. Balls. yeah. <laughs> I was at his first pro win, though, and I uh, actually got brought on stage. Um, it was in Orlando. Uh, he won that show, and um, and when they gave him the mic, when Bob Chicarello gave him the mic, he uh, he thanked me first for you know being by him all this all these years. So yeah, Bob yeah. was like. Well, where's Paul at right now? And then I was like, he's right there. And Bob's like, get on stage right now, Paul. So I'm like trying, I'm like pushing people out of my way, trying to get on stage, you know? You're like, I'm <laughs> the ultimate fan. I'm coming up on stage. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was one of uh, uh, Betty Parizzo's shows. Yeah. Um, you know, Betty and uh, Ed Parizzo. And, you know, they give those trophies of that, like, that that big, like, you know, that, that big sculpture, that big bodybuilder dude. Right. I was, want to carry that off the stage and stuff man it's like my trophy you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny um i've got uh a lot of questions about judging man is because yeah. i think you know what's it like to be a judge dude people say the cra- people say some stupid shit though don't they yeah for sure um but you know but i always um i i feel like judging should be a little bit transparent you know like i don't think it should like i think we should have to like there's a fine line you got to draw, right? Like, yeah, you should up, you should be able to articulate your, your, um, you know, your choices, obviously, but you can't answer every single person that asks you because you'd be at shows and spending your entire life on your phone, you know, answering questions. Yeah. But, um, but you know, so I take a lot of pride in my judging. I do. It's, I, I take a lot of pride in it. I've been doing it a long time and, um, and uh, I love judging the, uh, the pro qualifiers, especially because, you know, there's a lot on the line there, you know, there's a lot on the line for people there. And, um, 
I take that responsibility seriously. And um, so I try to make sure that, you know, I get my calls right. And um, there's a lot of, you get a lot of adrenaline as a judge at times, you know, because like you'll be judging like a big show, like a pro qualifier. And when you're moving guys around on stage and that, and the crowd's getting into it, the guys are getting into it, you know, like I feed off that too. It's, it's exciting. You know, I love doing it. It's great. I love judging great shows. What is there anything that stands out where um, you had someone where you didn't have them first, but then they just fucking won you over? Yeah, well, yeah, you like you've seen shows, right? Like you'll see like a guy will come out and he's like, you know, he'll fade a little bit as the show goes on, you know, and uh, yeah, it's a really and I think as a judge, like you need to be on top of it to see these small changes that are going on. And I always that's why like whenever I do posing clinics and that, I always stress to competitors. Make sure you work on your posing because it'll happen on stage. If you're not in shape to pose, you'll start to flatten out on stage because you're huffing and puffing. You can't keep up. You know, you're you're taking all this oxygen out of your muscles because you're trying to breathe because you're breathing so hard. And you'll and your body will start to reflect that. You'll start to fade. And, um, you know, you can see that happening over the course of a show sometimes. And it's cool. Like, you know, you get like two guys who are neck and neck and then one guy's starting to fade and one guy's getting better as the show's going on, you know. Yeah, like I've definitely had those situations before where I've had a guy in first and as we're working him on stage, as we get, you know, towards the end, you know, now now the other guy's looking better, you know, and it's cool when that happens because it's, it's obviously a tight show when that happens, you know. Right, right. Do you, do you remember, do you remember any situations where you were the tiebreaker and you knew it? Is there, <clears throat> does that happen or do you not know uh, you're the tiebreaker? Like how does that well, work? Head judge breaks ties. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I haven't, as a head judge, I have not had to break a, judge, a tie yet. What a head, it's a head judge's decision, right? A head judge yeah. could order a class rejudged again at the night if he feels that it's too close, whatever the case may be. He can order that judge, that class re, re, rejudged again at the nighttime. Or he can take it upon himself to break the tie if it's something that he feels strongly about, you know, um, which I, I've seen happen before too. But I personally haven't had to make that decision yet. Right. Play God. And you kind of, yeah. But you know what, though? But that's why you, you're, the head judge should be your most experienced judge, obviously, right? Because sometimes you do got to make a call like that. And if, if it's a pro card on the line, you know, you're messing with, you know, someone's potential income is on the line as well. Yeah. So there's yeah, a lot riding on it at times. Yeah, there can be yeah. for sure. And then, and then we talk about, you know, judging pro shows, which unfortunately I've only had the opportunity to judge one so far because of COVID. I've been and then all the pro shows last year in Canada were canceled. Uh, but there's money on the line now. You know, so people's livelihoods are on the line and there's money in the line and, you know, you got to get your calls right. Right. Do you, do you think that, you know, like that post show, you know, you, you, just, you know, you, everyone goes, competes and then the next day everyone's reflecting on, you know, how they looked and their placings and stuff. Do you feel like you get hounded more now or before? Like, is the there a culture? Media? Yeah, and well, it's a culture change. Like people wanting to know why they place where oh, they do. Like, do people yeah. come to the judges a lot more now? Yeah, I think so. The more so than like when I was when I was competing as an amateur. Until I got to be a judge myself, and I started to know the judges, then obviously I felt you know comfortable approaching them. But before that, I, yeah, I felt very uncomfortable or intimidated, whatever, approaching judges. I think now, you know, I think, you know, yeah, now it's a lot more interactive for sure. You know, then now we do posing clinics and things like that where judges are out there, you know, working with competitors, not working with them, but, you know, showing them proper posing and stuff even before the competition. So, right. you know, in a, in a lot of these competitions too, you get to know the same competitors. I mean, judges also handle most of the registrations the night before. So, you know, you're weighing people in, you're doing their heights and that. So you get to know them a little bit before the show begins. Yeah. Okay. Here, I got to get some Instagram questions because uh, the people clearly put their effort in. What's your <laughs> okay. coffee cup say? What's that say? You see it? Yeah, I like coffee that. Legend. 
<laughs> my wife bought me that. She's got Did one he... that says, uh, what's her say? Uh, wife, mother, uh, boss. Oh, yeah. yeah there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. That's good. Okay. Here's one. We're going to start off. These are quick hitters. How many days in a row is it acceptable to wear the same pants to the gym? <laughs> okay. If they're meshed twice, if not once. Okay. So there's a caveat. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they're mesh you know i can get on board with that the thin gas mesh ones especially, yeah. especially if it was just arm day or something yeah exactly that's what i was gonna say unless it's leg day or back day right yeah you're right leg day and back day straight in i try to i don't wear them two in a row but i try to give each pair of pants two workouts i really? have a little rotation system on a hook on the back of my door <laughs> so like, if i train it if i wear them for shoulders i'll hang them up <laughs> and then maybe like the the next chest day in the rotation, I'll pull them down and I'll give them a second. Day. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's way more than I think put into it. But that's I like, awesome. I can't do it two days in a row because I don't want anyone to catch me. Well, yeah, I wasn't that smart and I got caught and I got called up. <laughs> okay. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. I need you to rank the members of your podcast in order of favorite to least favorite. <laughs> God, that's fucking put me on the spot. Someone yeah. I'm going to insult someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Favorite to least favorite. Favorite? Yeah. Well, if I don't say Fuad, he's going to never put me on the podcast again. So Fuad. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure true. there's I'm sure there's a, a very understandable reason why someone's last. I'm sure they won't even be offended. No, they won't be. <laughs> but okay. You put me on the spot though. I gotta have to uh I gotta have to give it to you. Um okay. second. Yep. Oh fuck. I really like James. Okay, James, nice second. Second favorite is James. He's doing good. Okay. But okay, I want to put it out there though. Like this is just random. Like this is I don't like anyone more than any. I like them all. They're all awesome guys. I just want to say that. But I'm being put on the spot here, so I have to put. You put on the, the spot. You mean yeah. put on the okay. spot? Okay. Third guy, guy, okay. guy's cool. Um, shit, I'm leaving out fucking Ian next. <laughs> yeah, 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 you got Ian and Nick. Uh, okay. Nick, I love Nick. Okay, and then so uh, Ian's your least favorite, and then you got Ben. So Ben and Ian are tied for least favorite. <laughs> I like them. I love them both. And they're, so they're both tied. Awesome guys. They're equally loved. Yes. <laughs> I was put on the spot there. I had to come up with a rank. That was that was Ian's question, by the way. Was it? Yeah. Fuck. No, that's hey, good. Ask him how his mustache is going. Hey, he got what he deserved on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I got to grow my mustache. That's my next thing. Hey, I see him at the gym now every day with that mustache. Oh, that's right. He's up. He's up there with you right now. Yeah, he's out of West Coast. He's like he's an Ontario refugee. Refugee. Me and Fuad are coming up there in a few weeks with our wives. Yeah, yeah. I so I was told that was a possibility, but no one confirmed. Yeah. No, it's well, gonna happen. You're gonna have to talk to the owner of the gym see if he'll let you in. Absolutely. I think we get a couple of passes, maybe. <laughs> hey, you never know. I might know somebody. 
<laughs> just don't, don't just show up unannounced to be offended that he wasn't giving a heads up. <laughs> Let me ask you this one. What's your what's your most most embarrassing memory of uh, Fuad? Fuck. Most embarrassing memory of Fuad. Like my memory of him or his memory of me? Oh, either one. I don't know. I guess I was thinking, what do you think that would embarrass Fuad? That's kind of what I meant. Be funny. It's like where you're like, oh, man, he was so embarrassed. I got him high recently and he wouldn't talk for like four straight hours. Oh, no way. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I got him high, and he, I swear to God, he didn't say a fucking word for four hours straight. He just, he didn't like it, and he wanted it to stop, and he just. Did he think it was like it. 20 minutes? Uh, no, he was so mad at me, because he he said even when he got home, he couldn't talk. He said he wasn't okay till the next day. <laughs> what did you, did he just have a, like, just had like a puff, and it was just too yeah, much more? like, like two fucking puffs, man. Man, yeah. so. I, I have to admit, um, one of the so we were supposed to do this 10:30 a.m. PST, right? Yeah. We normally, when I record, you know, we normally do show that, but then you had to move it because you had some like parental duties. Yeah, my wife. And then I realized that that was actually a really great idea because I know it's 9 p.m. where you are when we started yeah. the show. I know there's no way you're not high. <laughs> so, like, if we record in the morning, I might get like normal you, right? Your whole well, you got a you got a small window there, Ron. But I, yeah, 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 a small window, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I know 9 p.m. There's no way. No, no way. way. No. <laughs> I had not wait till 9 p.m. Yeah, no, I knew that we I knew that we would definitely get um, a good version of Paul. <laughs> um, lots of questions. First one, tell us a story about the first time you smoked weed. The first time, fuck, man, that'd have been like high school, I guess. Uh I don't know. I don't remember. But I'll tell you the first time I smoked resin. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a couple years ago. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, past five year mark. I can't yeah, remember. Anymore. No, no. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that was, fuck, that was awesome. I, uh, it was like the first time again. That, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I never tried it before. And I went to a lounge one night with some guys. And, um, yeah, one of the guys, brought, you know, took some out. And uh, I think I had, like, two, maybe three hoots on the, uh, you know, on the uh, mechanism, what the fuck they're called. And uh, dab things, they have a little torch and everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. But it's not. But what dabs off, my understanding is, you know, there's, like, butane involved. So there's, like, some byproduct in there. This right. is, like, just pure, I guess. It's picked right out the plant as soon. And then it's, like, flash frozen, I think, or right. something like that. But yeah, man, fucking good stuff. That's what I'm gonna graduate to eventually. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you weren't you weren't super functional though, were you? I just fucking could not stop laughing for like everything was just hilarious to me. Man, man, what's your favorite favorite post puff snack? (sighs) Cookies, chocolate chip cookies. Of course. Chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies are like the only thing I need outside of contest food. Yeah. We always got a box in my house. Always. Like I could eat I could eat egg whites and oatmeal and steak and rice for the rest of my life if I can have chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I got into a really bad habit of binging on in the middle of the night a while back, but I finally kicked that. Damn. Damn. Okay. Um, most difficult call as a judge. I've had a couple. Uh Regan and uh, Chris Bumstead. 
when they were both juniors, I judged them together at nationals. Or sorry, not nationals at the time. It was the uh, provincials. 20, Ontario. 2015 Ontario's. Yeah, those two. Yeah, that was a tough call between those two. And uh, we we fucked that up as judges because um, we had them flip-flopped. So they both did juniors and open. And um, I forget which one, but uh, I want to say Regan was like first in juniors. And then in their open class, Chris, I think, was like second or third and Regan was like once pop a home behind them. So they got flip flopped, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. uh so as you know, it's all an obvious, you know, mistake as a judging panel. Uh but that was like one of the first big, super big super shows where we had to like judge like six hundred athletes in like under like three hours or something crazy like that. Like we had like extremely tight timelines to work with. So right. things just got, you know, mixed up a little bit. But uh that was definitely one of the toughest calls I've ever had to make. Damn. What's one aspect of bodybuilding from the 90s that you would love to bring to the new generation, bring back to the new generation? I miss just a lot of things about the 90s I miss. I miss the subculture of bodybuilding, you know, like in the gyms. Like the gyms were like subcultures. Now, I mean, it's not a bad thing, I guess, but it's just different. Like now, you know, everybody, anybody goes to the gym, you know, for all the for all different reasons. And gyms have evolved to, you know, accommodate many different people for whatever reasons. Um, but I miss that subculture of the 90s in the gym. You know, I miss that for sure. Um, I miss the era of the guest poser. You know, like you look forward to so-and-so coming to your hometown, you know, because before the Internet, you couldn't see these guys, uh, you know. I miss the excitement. That. Yeah. Like when like, Dorian Yates came to Windsor. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like Michael Jackson coming to town or something, you know, like every bodybuilder was, you know, going to yeah. take that day off and make sure they saw him. Like, you know, like, yeah, we used to have a muscle mag store in Windsor back in the day. And um, the guy, Derek, that owned it, he'd bring in like some pros. He, like, he brought in, um, he brought in uh, Paul DeMeo, Quanzilla. Uh, mm-hmm. um, he brought in Mike Francois, um, Lee Priest. He brought in like some really good guys. And, you know, and Nim was promoting shows back in those days too. And yeah. Nim, Nim used to always bring in big, bring in big guest posers. So, like Ronnie Coleman, he had him guest yeah. poser once. Jay Cutler, so yeah, I miss those days. You don't see guest posers anymore when I when I judge shows. Very rarely. No, the the financials have changed. You yeah. know, it's yeah. it's funny. It's just the shift in that d- dynamic and where the money is and where the money isn't. Yeah. And uh, where the expenses pile up and it, it's crazy. Yeah, promote. Yeah. I mean, you promote a show. You know, so I'm we promote a show out here too. So yeah. West Coast Iron yeah. is the title sponsor of the Van City Showdown in October. Oh, the new pro show. And, yeah, no, uh, yeah. So there's a a, a women's pro class. Okay. Um, there, yeah, yeah, but it's not a pro qualifier. No, um, right, but there's a but there's a pro there's a pro. Yeah, there's a pro uh, league show attached show to with it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but we this will be the fourth year in a row that we're doing the show. So you know we have some promotional experience. But you and Fuad been doing that show now for like ten years, haven't you? We're our Windsor show. We've been doing it for a little while now. We've are, we've been doing it. Last year would have been, would have been our tenth anniversary, but right. we had to cancel it. So oh, this yeah. year, this year because of COVID, we put both shows together. We have an open show and a natural show. So this year we decided to combine them both together uh, because we're probably not going to be able to have spectators and you know the whole cancellation right. thing and rescheduling thing. So we put them both together this year. So if it runs this year, it'll be the eleventh year that we've ran. Well, the tenth year that we've actually had the Windsors, and it'll be our seventh year with the Mississauga show. Toronto right. Show. Yeah, the uh, you're right about the the subculture and the uh, the guest posers. I think that the thing about that, it's like it happens with everything. Yeah, it it, it it you know the '90s was that you know if you can imagine like a bubble sort of swelling and then it pops, 
Yeah. That was the nineties was it was, it was, it was growing and getting awesome. And right. then it like popped and went everywhere in all these directions. Sort like of fitness like, popped, you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like fitness popped. Like then you, you know, all these other divisions came in and it just spread out all over, you know, cause I remember the days when like the bodybuilders in town all trained at one gym. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a bodybuilder's it, gym for sure. That's a bodybuilder's gym. And then you go to the right. other gyms, there's no bodybuilders. Right. But now it's like you go to any gym anywhere and there's someone who looks like they maybe do physique or or c- compete or something. Right. You yeah. know, some kid, some kid with good arms and delts who's got like a Gymshark shirt on and he's like he's doing something that's clearly off Instagram like he's doing hack squats with a band. Right. Or yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like it's you, yeah. you, it's everywhere. And you see him practicing his men's physique poses in the mirror between sets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, you know he's competing, so, yeah. So it's that weird sort of thing where, like, if I think back to the 90s, I remember all of us sitting around, you know, Pizza Hut all-you-can-eat night. <laughs> yeah, off-season, you got to bulk up. Oh, man. And, and, <laughs> and saying stuff like, man, I wish there was more prize money for these guys. And I wish there was more exposure for these guys. And I, I wish this was bigger. And I wish the public appreciated this more. Right. And now we're there. Right. And there we're is kind more of like, prize money. Like the Olympia is 400 grand now and yeah. there's way more opportunities. And your, yeah. your phone in your hand is like the world. Right. Like you're a fucking cyborg with a phone. Like you don't have an excuse. <laughs> right. You know? For sure. And, and it, 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 we have delivered bodybuilding to the world. Everyone from the 90s, I sort of see everyone from the 90s, like we delivered it. Yeah. And for sure. now we're like kind of pissed off because it's not ours anymore. Yeah. Right. You're right. And you see it with gyms too. Like back yeah. in those days, gyms were all owned by bodybuilders for the most part. Um, they were like, you know, privately owned at least. They weren't owned by corporations. You know, mm. I think Gold's Gym was one of the only corporate gyms that, you know, and they were a bodybuilding brand, you know, back in those days. You had like Vic Tannies for a little while. I guess that was like your only fitness kind of gym, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, but yeah, now now they're all corporate pretty much, you know. I mean, that's why it's cool to see a gym like yours, you know, like there's still, there's still a, a place for – bodybuilders you know and i think it's awesome me and well, want to winter eventually too i i really can't wait to get you guys out here because i i really hope you love the gym because it's just it's 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 very rare you know yeah. like i've traveled around doing my show mutant on a mission and you've been around with yeah. you know training and you've been you you've hit the road a lot and it's just very rare yeah. to find a, a real bodybuilder gym and um it, it was funny because you know gary v yeah 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 so gary v was saying like this was, you know, years ago before we started the gym, Gary V was saying, he's like, you know, nostalgia will always have some value if you do it right. Right. There's always going to be some people that are like, fuck, I, I used to love this and now it's back. Right. And I thought, well, gee, that, cause that's what I was thinking about the gym I was like, yeah. like, you know, kind of dial, bring it back a little bit. Like, you know, crank the music, you know, right. put out a chalk bin, like, right. You know, that yeah, sort exactly. Of thing. And, um, so that was one of the things that we did with the gym. We just kind of gambled on the nostalgia of just simplifying it. No, we don't have hot yoga. Right. We don't have a steam room. Right. You're paying, you're paying this much a month and you get five leg presses and they're all different. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like, and you get, you know, like you you don't get like one leg extension and if it's broken, you're fucked. You, and you don't get like, you know how the corporates are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so a little gamble on it, and it, you know, a little mixed with the right place at the right time, and you know. You... Oh. Have you uh, have you been to um, Dorian's place uh, up here? 
No, I haven't been to Pure. My business partner, uh, Didashak, Steve Didashak. You know who yeah, Steve Didashak is. Yeah, yeah, I've judged Steve a few times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ditto's been out to Pure and stuff. And uh, also my other business, my other partner, Corey. Corey was out there with him. So they both okay. saw it. So they said it was beautiful, you know. It's oh. like they've, they've got it set up like a showroom in there. Yeah, well, they'll, they they just well they just increase their size by you know more than double. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's what it is. It's just it's like the best equipment you can find. You know, uh, multiple you know varieties of everything. And yeah, there's no yoga going on. There's no you know there's no <laughs> there's no protein bar, nothing like that. No, you no, just no. go there and train. But yeah. you can have the best equipment around. You know, and you never have to wait yeah. for anything. It's great. Yeah, yeah, no, we have fun. You know, we we do some cool stuff too. Like Friday night, we'll crank the metal. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, cool. you know that sort of thing. So how, you, know, awesome. you gotta you gotta make it fun. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, how does it feel? How does it feel <laughs> to be suddenly finding a second wave of fame in the industry? <laughs> Fouette, I always bust my balls for that every day. He's always like, your head's getting too big. <laughs> like it's because of you. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it's 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 flattering. You know what I mean? Like because I I don't know, man. Like you know. I don't really, I wonder sometimes why anybody would want to talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really have much to say. Uh, so I don't know. It's just cool. I guess, yeah, it's flattering, you know, I guess I could say, you know, that, you well, know. Well, there's, there's something to be appreciated about someone who's actually seen what they're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's what I, I, you know, I really like doing that with uh, when, when Fuad and I, and uh, we did it with James last year, when we did those live um, sort of uh, play-by-plays for, for shows. Yeah, Olympia and a couple other shows. I love doing that because, like, because bodybuilding is my passion. It has been since I was a child. Uh, I, my dad used to weight train. I used to, you know, he used to buy all the magazines. I used to read them when I was a kid. And bodybuilding has always been a passion for me. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it is one thing that I do know what I'm talking about. One of the few things. So I enjoy talking about it, you know. And and I like doing podcasts because it's like I just, it's just you and I talking. You know what I mean? Like, so it's I just feel comfortable doing it. Like I, yeah. I hate public speaking. I hate it. I'm horrible at it. I hate it. And I've had to do it as a, as a judge. And as um, I was Western regional director for the, for, for the OPA for a while. So I had to give speeches before shows and I hate doing it. I, I, I get really nervous about it, but doing this, I feel very comfortable. Awesome. Um, here's a good one. Dead or alive. Who would you like to get blazed with? <laughs> Dead or alive. Anybody? Anybody? There's so many. I gotta pick one. Yeah. I gotta pick a few. Just yeah, one. I'll there. pick a few. Name a few. Name a few. Mike Mike Tyson. That'd be a oh, trip. okay. Damn. Um, Snoop. I'd love to get high with Snoop. Imagine getting high with. Imagine getting high with Mike Tyson, and he starts leaning in and squinting and talking well, about talking about fucking punching people in the. Wouldn't that be something yeah. else? Well, I want to make sure he doesn't. Yeah, I want to smoke something that's gonna calm him down. The last wasn't that the one time he was on Rogan, he started talking about the animal inside him, and you, you started to wonder if Joe's like leaning back a little in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me let me rethink the Tyson one. Maybe that's not a good one. I need something more mellow. <laughs> Probably Snoop. Snoop would be cool. Probably Snoop. Snoop. Yeah, man, that's funny. Um, oh, geez. So when it comes to coaching people you never got into that yeah for a little while but then once i started getting more involved with judging it you know it's a clear conflict so what what's what's your take on the coaching industry now and as a judge when you look up at the stage and you see all the competitors do you do you think that the coaching thing is doing what it's supposed to be doing is it delivering or not 
For good, good coaches, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, good coaches, they need to um, – I think a good coach is someone who can adapt to his client, you know, isn't somebody who just gives a, a program, like, you know, has a system, so to speak, that he's right. going to work for everybody. Um, but, you know, over the years, like, I've seen some great trainers with great teams, like, going way back, Scott Abel. Scott Abel is a man. Like, his guys all came in, you know, his, you knew was an able athlete in the show. Scott, the Scott helped me win my first national title in 07. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I used to work yeah. with Scott, didn't you, back in the day? Yeah. yeah. Scott he was, was ahead of yeah. his time. For sure he was, definitely. I tell people that all the time. He mm-hmm. was definitely ahead of his time. And you know, I always wonder, like, if he would ever come back again, you know, if someone were to ask him to I, come back. I remember, like, using salt on all my food, and people thought I was crazy. Yep. And, yep. you know, like, it, it was just stuff that people were like, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, oh, he Scott, was, explain it to me. He was one of the first ones that would have you do, like, <laughs> repeat days or cheat days, you know? Yeah, I yeah. had huge calorie days. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the salting of food. You know, he was big in sodium. Uh, well, remember his wife, Laura Benetti, back in the day? Yeah, yeah. Like shredded to the bone. Freak, shredded. Like guys weren't getting that shredded. You know, oh. she was. She was a little bit ahead of her time. You know, yeah. bodybuilding hadn't. Women's bodybuilding hadn't progressed to that point that where she was yet. Another she, thing too was Scott Abel had me doing bike sprints. Really? In like 2005. Like hit type stuff. Yeah. Really. And like nobody else was popular. doing it. Oh, yeah. we were way ahead of it. He was so far ahead of it that I think he left it because it like really? was just like you know people didn't really want to do it. Like I remember it was like a weird thing. Really? I yeah. yeah. I didn't hear about guys doing that back then. So yeah. you'd have you do it like on an exercise bike? You'd have yeah, be on a bike and I'd be I'd do like an all out forty five second sprint, and then I'd cruise on easy for like a couple minutes, and then I'd crank it up a bit and go again. And it was all about heart rate and everything. Really. Yeah. And I remember I, I got absolute. that was 2006 when Fuad turned pro. Mm-hmm. I remember I was super fucking peeled for that show and I did hit cardio. Really? And like, I remember it was hard Yeah. and stuff, but I, yeah, I didn't do a lot of it. I did like a few sessions of hit cardio a week and I was just peeled, you know? Really? Really? So it, was, it was interesting, but everyone thought it was like crazy. People at the gym were like, what are you doing? Yeah. Cause back then it was steady state. Yeah, that was it. Low, low intensity, steady state cardio is all anyone was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about, you know, does it bother you when you see someone on stage and you know, they've got a coach, but you know, the coach doesn't know what he's talking about and you know, the person's paying the price for it. I've told guys, I've, I've, I'll tell guys straight up because I want to see guys do well. Right. Like, and as you know, I don't, and I try to always give honest feedback to people. Cause you don't want to, you know, tell someone, ah, you're going to be good, you know, or whatever you're going to do fine. And they get blown away. They're like, Hey, you said I was going to do good, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I try to be very honest with people. And when I see someone with potential and I feel like they're not reaching that potential because they're not coming in shows ready, I'll suggest, I'll talk to them. I'll be like, Hey, who's your coach? And if, you know, if they tell me, it's like, you know, oh, this guy from the gym that, you know, I met, you know, whatever, who doesn't really seem like, you know, somebody should be doing a contest prep. Then I'll be like, well, here's some suggestions for you. Maybe you should move coaches because, you know, you got a lot of potential with the right coach. You probably could make something out of this, you know. So I pulled several guys aside before and done that. Yeah. What? What's <laughs> you ever get any bad receptions from that or? No, never. No. No, I, yeah, I've had lots good. of guys thank me. I just had a couple of guys recently thank me on Instagram. Like this one guy, um, he's got a lot of potential. He's getting ready for nationals. And um, I, I judged him like three or four times. And every time I judge him, I could see his potential, but he'd always come in out of shape. So finally, the last time I, I just grabbed him out in the hallway and I was like, listen, man, I, I, this is like the fourth time I judge you. You come in off every single time. You've got a ton of potential. 
who's your coach? And then he was like, ah, oh, it's like my, you know, my brother-in-law, you know, whatever, something like that. And I was like, listen, hire yourself a good coach. Here's some, here's some good coaches locally. You should, you should consider one of these guys because you got potential. You're wasting your time with these guys. You know, you should be, you should have been past this level by now. So, right. you know, yeah. And, and I, and he just, he just messaged me a little while ago. He's like, Hey, I'm prepping for nationals. I'm looking my best ever. Thanks for that advice. Yeah. That's awesome. Is that yeah. one of the main, is that, is that, would that be one of the main rewards of judging that sort of thing? Uh, it's always cool. Like, you know, like, um, I can, I've just some things off the top of my head that I remember doing. Like there was one show I was, I was, I was, I was registering the athletes for on the Friday night before the show. And there's this young bodybuilder kid who was, who was weighing in for juniors and he looked awesome, this kid. And uh, I forget his name right now. And uh, anyway, um, you know, I went and checked his, I wanted to see what he was competing in. So I went and checked his sheet and I saw he only picked juniors. And I was like, no, man, like this guy's going to win the freaking overall if he does open and he's going to move on to the next level. If he does juniors, he doesn't qualify for anything. You know, right. so like, yeah, it's just a show. Yeah. Yeah. So I went up to him and I was like, listen, man, like you got to do open, like you could do juniors too, but you got to do open. You're going to win this show and next year. You're going to do a pro qualifier. Like otherwise if you just do juniors. You got to come back here again next year to qualify for pro qualifier. You're wasting a year of your time. You're ready. Like go, go get some money, go sign up for it. And he didn't, I don't, he didn't have all the money or something. So me and another judge kind of put some money together for him and, and paid his registration and the kid won the overall easily. And uh, last time I saw him was at a national qualifier or pro qualifier a couple of years ago. And like, he was like second in his class. Like he's knocking on the door now. Like he could get a pro card pretty soon. This kid, if he keeps working at it and keep improving. So like, yeah, like, you, you know, situations like that, you know, and then, you know, and then he came up and thanked, thanked me and the other judge that helped him out, you know, and, you know, things like that, you know, stay with you. It feels good, you know, for sure. Yeah. 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 Helping somebody, you know, navigate the craziness. Yeah. Well, just like he was just a young kid that didn't know any better. He's like, I don't, he didn't think that he looked as good as he did. He just, you know, a lot of us are like that, you know, that insecurities, whatever we are as bodybuilders. He just didn't think that he had what it took to go in the open yet. He wanted to just do juniors. But when I saw him weighing in, I was like, this dude, fuck, you got to win this show, man. Like he's got to do open, you know, and he was only like an 18 or 19 year old kid. I remember going to my very first show and I thought I was going to go do juniors because I thought junior was 21 and under. Yeah. But it was under 21. Yes, right. Under twenty-one. So I went there expecting to do juniors, and I was going to do the men's heavyweight, like just for the hell of it, anyways, yeah. right? Like, so I was going to do juniors and men's heavyweight, and I got there, and they're like, "Oh, you're too old for juniors," and I'm like, "Oh shit, I just do a men's heavyweight," and I assumed that there would be like ten other juniors there, like me, yeah, and a whole bunch of heavyweights there about my size, yeah, and I remember I weighed in at two thirty. And I had like striations in my glutes <laughs> and everyone was coming up to me. They're like, where are you from? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm from up north. And they're like, uh, what, what's going on? Like you thought you were a junior. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 21. And they're like, you're only 21. And then I realized that there, there were like, I think there was only one other junior. So th- like he was the only one in juniors. And then the men's heavyweight was just two guys. Really? Me and one, but I thought there was going to be like 20 guys. Cause I had only seen like, shows that had you know like i'd seen a couple national shows by that point Mm -hmm. i'd never been to a regional show oh so yeah some of them could be small so i was just thinking like you know nationals like oh you know it's gonna go there and it's gonna be crazy (laughs) so yeah when you're a young kid going to your first show you know it could be overwhelming oh yeah absolutely for sure Ken. so i'm gonna ask you the, the big question I'm going to ask you a philosophical question to end with. All right, I'm ready for it. All the bodybuilding behind and all the judging and everything. 
Okay, I'm ready for it. Give people a serious sort of like, see what you have to say. Mm-hmm. What's the meaning of life, Paul? <laughs> Me and Fuad talk about this kind of stuff. We do. We uh, sometimes when the car rides to, the, to and from the gym, we get deep. Um, okay, this is what we've come up with. Um, it's a game. Life is a game. You're not going to change the rules of the game. We all got to play by the preset rules that we all have to live under. But you try to make your way the best way through that game and at the, make out. And at the end of that game, whatever that is, whatever God determines it is, whatever, you know, you want to just have yourself and your family and your loved ones set up as best as possible. So, you know, that like, you know, like sometimes we talk politics and that, and sometimes I can get wound up about stuff. He can get wound up about stuff. And then like, kind of be like, you can't change the world, man. You can't change what's going on in the world. You, you know, all you can do is make your lot better in it and the people around you, you know, better. And, you know, so I think once you've accepted that, and uh, I think you find you kind of find some peace with that when you when you've accepted that that I just got to worry about you know what I'm doing and what the people around me are doing. That's all I can really control in this life. So just try to do the best what I can. I love that because I actually have found that one of the only ways for me to stay sane and not lose my mind because a lot of stuff makes me want to lose my mind. Sure. I just focus on trying to just keep my shit together yeah what you can control personal responsibility yeah yeah you listen to jordan peterson yeah all the time jordan peterson i love that guy he is so many things he said i didn't realize were already like tumbling around in my head but just hadn't been like kind of like pinned down yet yeah as important like you know how sometimes you'll have a thought in your head and you'll think oh that sounds good but mm-hmm. you don't realize that it's actually one of like the fundamental things that you should pay attention to and you let it like fly away. Yeah, for sure. And then when I started listening to him a lot, I'm like, oh, I've thought of a lot of these things like, you know, but I just didn't like grab them because I didn't realize how important they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it trickles into your life like like, you know, just like finish finish things like, you know, like the whole concept of not leaving things all the loose ends undone. Right, which yeah, like procrastinating things like that. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm. Everybody, I guess, you know, maybe not everybody, but everybody procrastinates a little bit. And I, I do that to myself sometimes, but it, it'll stay. Like if it's if I got like a few things that I procrastinate on, it'll stay like a weight on me until I finally get them finished. And it might take a couple of weeks, might take a couple of days, whatever the case might be. But I don't feel uh, like that kind of free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's always like a burden until I finally get them done. You know, the important things, I mean. You yeah. Know, and then once I do, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of feel like I can breathe again a little bit, you know. Yeah. Easier. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, what else? I don't know. You read any, like, stoic stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my friends turned me on to that a little while ago, and, that, and that's all – and that's basically what the philosophy is, too, I believe. Like, it's like, you know, you can only control what your – you know, your, your emotions, your thoughts, and your actions. It's only three things you can control. So – worry about that and everything else don't waste your energy on you know kind of thing yeah try to think about that way too try and strip things down yeah and you know i I, I find it with sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say i went and saw jordan peterson live did you where yeah well him and sam harris oh yeah did uh it was like a friendly debate yeah the ted talk or something yeah and brett weinstein moderated it so i saw those three guys live in vancouver fuck three intellects eh yeah, and I, I, I'm a huge Sam Harris fan. Yeah, I so, like his uh, um, meditation stuff. So I I uh, I went to see them, and I, my friend and I were blown away. Like, 
I mean, I knew they were popular and I knew it would be sold out, but it was like, it was like a rock star. Like when, really? when they announced Sam Harris, the crowd just popped like screaming. And then, you know, he comes out and waves and sits and then they announced Jordan Peterson. The crowd pops again, just screaming. Really? <laughs> oh. And it was so crazy. Cause they, 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 and then even Brett Weinstein got like a crazy yeah. reception. Cause he's, he's loved. Yeah. They came out and did their thing. And at the end of the three hours, I can't, I don't remember how long it was. It was like three hours. We were leaving and, you know, it was really great. It was really great. Like it was like, you know, very intellectual, but easy to follow. And, mm-hmm. you know, the crowd was kind of involved. Like there was some cheering and it was just great. But when we were leaving, there's all these people just bawling. Really? And it, it was really interesting because they were happy. They were like, right. you know, happy. But it, 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 it goes to show like, there's a lot of people out there that have like a craving for some kind of intellectual help. Yeah. George Peterson talks about that, you know, like there's like the chaos, you know, in the, in the head and just how to yeah. sort that out. And, and yeah, yeah it, it was very, very interesting. Jordan Pearson. I heard him talk about that where he talks about like how, you know, the main, one of his main um, themes that he talks about is, you know, responsibility for yourself and for your family, for your community. And he talks about how, when he does these talks and afterwards he's approached by young men who are like, they're, you know, they've been craving someone to put these words, you know, out there for, for them. They, yeah. they, it's, they just connect with it and they cling to it. And, you know, I think he's, he's helped me through like, you know, we, you know, everybody goes through stuff once in a while. Like, you know, I've, I've had moments where I'm going through some stuff, you know, and I'm having a hard time dealing with it. And he's my go-to for, you know, uh, for listening to things to help me get through stuff. Uh, yeah. Sam Harris too, but, but Jordan Pierce is my go-to. Um, yeah. I would love to see him live. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very interesting. It was uh, quite quite the uh, environment. It was like one of the most, I don't know how I describe this, like, you know, when you're in a really positive environment, yeah. like when you go to see a good comedian, like, you know, Bill yeah. Burr comes out on stage, everyone's happy, right? Yeah. It was more than that. It was like this, it was positive and happy, but it wasn't like they were there to see a comedian. It was like there was this emotional, thick emotional response in the really? air. It was really, really crazy event. So if you ever, yeah, yeah, it was only a couple of years ago before he got sick, right? So yeah, he's okay uh, now, though. eh? Yeah, he's okay now. So, but if you ever get a chance to go see uh, any of those guys live, I would capitalize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would miss that opportunity if it came up. Yeah, even drag Fuad, you know. Fuad loves Jordan Pearson too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would definitely go. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, he would definitely go. Yeah, awesome, man. Hey, listen, I got I got like a hundred questions left I didn't get to, but you know, you gave me an hour, and I really appreciate it, Paul. Oh, it's awesome, Ron. It's good and, to talk to you again. I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't even tell people our history, but you know, I've been seeing you at the shows since you started, you know, coming to them with Fuad, and and Fuad was one of the guys that I had to compete against in my yep. battles. Uh, so, so it was. Uh, I've been seeing you for a long time at the shows, and I know you've you've seen it all, and I've I've seen you do the, you know, the 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 posse walk through the Olympia Expo with Fuad and <laughs> and that whole thing, yeah. you know. Do you so, remember the uh, first we, time? Do you remember the first time we we kind of hung out? Uh, I don't remember the first time. Well, I'll remember it if you tell me. But I won't remember it was the first time. After the Nationals in the Montreal, two thousand eight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You and Louis Joseph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went for a little walk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I was thinking of like the Olympia or something. I was like, when was it? When was that? When was it? Uh, yeah, it was after Nationals. <laughs> yeah, Nationals 2008. Where yeah, me, yeah. yeah, me and Lou were out on the lawn having a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I joined yeah. you guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to have a meeting. Got to have a meeting after the night show. Absolutely, you do. Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you and, uh, um, you know, maybe we'll we'll sit down and partake next time. And yeah, man, I'd love to, Ron. Well, I'll tell you, we're coming down. We'll, we'll let you know. We're coming down. I think it's in about maybe within the next within the next four weeks or so. Yeah. Or didn't wiser, we come wiser. to your hotel room for a while? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you yeah, and Louie did. We came up to your room after two. I, I think I ate a whole had, bag of your cookies. We had a whole bunch of junk food in my room. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a photo shoot the next day for Muscle Tech because at the time I was doing this transformation sponsorship for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I could not hold it together. Like I just ate so much food that night with you and Louie. My waist was blown out. I had no abs left. I was just a water I, I remember being worried. I was like, I'd never like smoked so much in a hotel room before. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but that's like, <laughs> so I was like, is someone going to like, is this too much to like, cause I'm the type of guy would always go outside. Right. I'm going to get like a $250 ticket. for yeah. And that was back when they, I was worried they would do it too. Right. Yeah. I know. I, the room was under muscle tech. So I didn't oh, care. Muscle tech. <laughs> That's what I, shit. Yeah. I was like, are you guys worried about the room? Cause we're getting <laughs> hot box the fuck out of that. We room. were, I think we put some towels under the door, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Like, you know, like it was going to keep, keep it out. Like, the, yeah. you know, at all i remember um fuad couldn't come up with me for that show he was because he was prepping for the olympia so he stayed in windsor and i remember he was trying to get a hold of me to find out how i did and i wasn't answering my phone because we were blazing so i remember he when he fought when i finally answered my phone like two or three hours later he was like what the fuck's going on over there i was like i'm just chilling with ron and louie and he was like you're baked he was like <laughs> yeah 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 i remember i i think he called and he goes did ron win and someone go and the guy on the phone i can't remember if it was you or not he goes no he got second and i heard fuad over the phone go fuck yeah i think it was me yeah <laughs> i was like well at least i know he was cheering for me yeah he, he was pulling for you fuad's always liked you <laughs> oh, that's funny okay uh, i appreciate it man i'll thank uh, you, hope see you soon yeah i Absolutely. had some laughs you know yeah. you, you don't realize that there was a lot of pressure with this episode on me because people were like oh if you're having paul on it better be funny <laughs> really i'm like oh great i can't just have a good chat with my buddy it's gotta be funny <laughs> yeah we gotta entertain you guys <laughs> you gotta, entertain, you gotta like, dance like a monkey and <laughs> okay. we're here to entertain you yeah yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. okay yeah. thanks buddy Thanks, Ron. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, peace. I'll let you know for coming down. Okay, anytime. All right, man. Cheers. See ya.